0: Hi, this is mark arnold welcome to fun ideas podcast number 210 the fun ideas podcast is brought to you in part by freaky magazine i contribute material to every issue so give it a try hey kids have you read freaky the magazine of weird humor for freaks like you freaky magazine is a Way out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. 52 pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Blah, and Zap. Special offer for fun ideas listeners get a free sample copy in the mail, made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to The Slow Poisoner gmail.com. That's the slow
1: poisoner at gmail.com while supplies last. On sale now is Mark Arlo's latest book, Called Pac-Man, the first animated show based upon a video game. This book tells the story of Pac-Man phenomenon and goes through the entire history of the Hanna Barbera animation studios. The history of the video games Pre-Pac-Man, the history of Pac-Man, the character, the video game, the spin-off, the merchandise, and the anime TV series. Each and every episode of the classic 1980 series is covered and examined. Plus... Mark Arlen covers how Pac-Man has been honored on various anniversaries, including the 40th anniversary in 2021. A fun read for casual and hardcore Pac-Man and video game fans alike, featuring mini-character model sheets and other images. Available online through Bear Manor Media, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself.
0: Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. The revised second edition of my Monkeys book with Michael A. Ventrella called Long Title, the stars of Walt Disney Productions, and the Pac-Man, the first animated TV show based upon a video game, are my latest books out now. I just turned in my manuscript for Unconditionally Mad, and the Turtles book is in production. I'm also working on my TV cartoons at Time Forgot book, plus articles on Nightmare the Galloping Ghost and Harvey Superheroes. On today's show, we have the original lead singer for the Dakotas who had hits with Bad to Me, Little Children, and Do You Want to Know the Secret? Here he is, Billy J. Kramer. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with Fun Ideas Podcast, and on today's episode, we have the legendary singer, Billy J. Kramer. How are you, sir?
2: I'm very well, thank you, Mark.
0: How are you? I'm doing very well. And, uh, where do you hail from? I'm in Oregon myself.
2: Uh, At the moment I'm in Chicago, Mm. but I hail, obviously I hail from Liverpool. Yes,
0: Yes. but I didn't know where you were at the present time. That's really kind of what I was alluding to. (laughs) Now, um, I have a bunch of different questions that's kind of random and everything like that. Uh, so uh, I guess I'll just kind of talk about, you know, uh, how did you get your start as far as singing? Was it something you aspired to as a little boy or tell your story?
2: I sang in a choir when I was a kid at school. And then when I uh, was about 11 or 12, I got an acoustic guitar, I taught myself to play and I got together with you guys in the neighborhood where I lived in Liverpool. And, that, you know, the, the skipper leader was very, very big at that time. And then I, you know, I got into like, like everybody else, I got into rock and roll with Buddy Holly and Little Richard and Elvis Presley, and Jerry Lee Lewis and all these people. And um, we used to just practice in one of the guys' parlors and then we moved from there to a legion hall and we put a band together and then I uh, you know, I used to play there just for a pint of beer on a Saturday night. <laughs> and then I did an audition at a place called Ainsbury Institute. Um, the Beatles were on that night and uh, I got my first six gigs and I met the Beatles for the first time and hmm. that's how I started.
0: So that was, the, like you said, the first time. So you didn't know, uh, did you know of the Beatles prior to that or had you met any the of them? Beatles.
2: I'd seen the Beatles at Little in Town Hall, mm-hmm. and thought they were amazing mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and was that when uh, Pete Best was still in the group, or who, who was yes, he was
2: you know I was just I was in the process of just like starting my band putting it together, and I used to go to live Town Hall and other places, just looking at, at gigs and um you know I, I saw the Beatles and I thought they were great, you know mm mm-hmm.
0: And um, how long was it between that time and when you met Brian Epstein?
2: Oh, I started doing like uh, gigs around Liverpool, the Cavern and the Iron Door and Aintree Institute, you know, all places like that. And then I, I, was, I was like 18 and funny enough, I was about to go to a place called Crew for a year. Mm-hmm. And as part of my training, I was a, a training engineer, You know and um i was supposed to go away for a year and then i came second in the popularity poll uh a local newspaper Merseybeat. and then brian Epstein approached me about uh taking taking me on you know and managing me mm-hmm. and, and i jumped to the idea and uh, that
0: was it that's cool and um do you have any like favorite or outstanding memories of brian during the time you worked with them?
2: Uh, one of the funny things, funny enough, is when uh, I left the guys I started with, because they didn't want to be taken up professionally, and Brian put me with the coaches, and um, one of the things he said to me was, um, we're going to put away the Christmas tree, because <laughs> I used to wear very elaborate gold army suits and pink army and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I thought that was very funny.
0: <laughs> uh, I just want to ask something about your name I know your name is not officially Billy J. Kramer well it might be now I don't know if you legally changed your name but you were born you know,
2: you, I couldn't know
0: <laughs> you were born it William is. Howard Ashton but um, is it true that you picked out Billy, Billy Kramer as it were out of the phone book is that how it came about
2: the guys in the band called up an operator and given a list of phone numbers of uh <laughs> Names. uh, which which one did she like the best? And she said, Billy Kramer. Uh And that's what I performed under Billy Kramer until I recorded the song, Do You Want to Know a Secret, which was my first record in England, (laughs) before the Beatles. And I must state, it wasn't a cover version, you know. (laughs) know. (laughs) It was a song that Brian had given me, which was John Lennon on an acoustic guitar. And I arranged it and I did it with the Dakotas and uh failed miserably at some recording tests. And then I tested with George Martin and he uh he called me and said he wanted to put it out as my first single.
0: Very
2: good. No, and um I'll go ahead. Um and, you know um what happened was I was about to release do you want to know a secret? And Brian called me into his office one day and said, John has a su- suggestion. And I said, What is it? And John says, Why don't you call yourself Billy J. Kareemer? And I thought, Wow, that's that's cool. Huh. He said it'll give it more of a rock and roll edge. You know, <laughs> and it will catch on.
0: That's cool. Um, do you have any favorite memories of John since you brought him up specifically?
2: I think my fav- one of my favorite memories, obviously, was um, a couple, I think. One was when, on my 20th birthday, sitting backstage at a theater in a place called Bulbas, I was on tour with the Beatles. And John said, uh, we just entered the charts in America. And I said, that's, that's great, John. And he said, yes, I've got a song for you. And um, I said, well, it's my birthday. You're going to play it. And he said, no, I'll I'll come to Abbey Road. Hmm. So the next time I was at Abbey Road, I was like, I wonder if he's going to show because Beatlemania was happening in England. Right. And he turned up at the session and uh, funny enough, he sat at the piano when he played that to me. Ooh! wow. And I said, I thanked him dearly. (laughs) And he said, by the way, I, I want to run a song by you and give me your honest opinion. And he played, I want to hold your hand. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, can I have that one? And he said, no. He said, no, we're doing that one ourselves. Wow. But I, I was happy I got that to me.
0: That's cool. Um, out of all those songs, I mean, you did quite a few, like, uh, wasn't, uh, I'll keep you satisfied and, uh from a window, and I call your name. Those are all. Well, Beatles did that one too, but uh, these were all Lennon McCartney songs, right?
2: I did. I called your name before they did.
0: Oh wow! Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did it a year and a half before. <laughs> no. um, I'll keep it. I mean, people always ask me, you know, about the demos. Mm. Well, quite frankly, there was never any demos. Mm. You know, if we would turn up on the day of the session. They would turn up and play the song. On a piano, and we would arrange it, record it. Then, mm. you know, so that's why I always say I didn't cover the Beatles' songs, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll keep you satisfied, you know. Um, came that way, and from a window came that way. I call your name, came that way. Mm-hmm. I'll be on my way, came that way. One song that I did, which I never got around to finishing, was they came in one day and played me a song called "I'm in Love." And we recorded two, it was in 15 minutes, we just did two takes of a rhythm track. And I don't know why, but I always regretted that I never went back and finished it. Hmm. Uh, eventually, they gave it to the foremost who had a hit with hmm.
0: it. I guess you could record a version now.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, you know, but I, I often
2: wish I was on that one.
0: <laughs> um, now, out of all those Land McCartney originals, uh, do you have a favorite?
2: Well, let's face it, you know, that to me was a big time in my life. You know, I mean, I was just, I had a hit with Do You Want to Know a Secret. mm mm-hmm. um, And to have such a, a bigger hit was the next one.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, um, and let's face it, you know, it, it's the song that people mostly remember.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and it, its I look at it now, it was a great song. Mm-hmm. And I always say in you know, all my shows, I will always feel very indebted to Lennon McCartney for the great songs they gave me when I was starting off. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really interesting that they played them live for you, but it makes sense if you're all in the same studio that they didn't give yeah. you demos or anything. So, yeah. um, let's see. Um, now you did a few that uh weren't Lennon McCartney songs and had hits with like. Little Children, how, how did you get that one?
2: Little Children came about, believe it or not, because I got to number three with I'll Keep You Satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I did, I'll be very honest with you, I was booked up to do the London Palladium. I wasn't very good. I was mad at myself, <laughs> you know, and I thought i got to find something special. Mm-hmm. And I went around to a lot of music publishers, and I took these songs um, to a place called Ryan Sussex and I was going through them and one day, I, one morning I woke up and I put this demo this acetate, on and it was more true singing this song um, Little Children. Yeah. It was just him on a piano. He didn't play very well and he didn't sing very well but I felt it was a number one hit. Yeah. Um. And my next session, you know, I'll be very honest with you, Brian, George Martin, and Dick James wanted me to record another Leonard McCartney song. Of and I said, well, um, you know, Little Children was the, the best song. Mm. And you, you're not always right, you know. <laughs> um, and um, I recorded it, and um, luckily for me, It became a number
0: one hit. Now, one thing that I I just recently figured out, and I didn't know this, but it might be because of how the billing was on the records in the United States. You were billed actually as Billy J. Kramer with the Dakotas, but some of your early records that came out here came as Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. So how did that come about, you know, the, the Dakotas and how you got paired up with them?
2: Well, they were already an established band in the north of England, mm-hmm. professional before I was. When I, Brian, asked them doing up with me, one of the things that they were concerned about was they wanted to make their own records and they wanted their, um, their own identity. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine, I'm fine with that. Um I'll be very honest with you uh I don't think they had a lot of confidence in me um, uh, to me, it stuck out when Brian said, Do you want royalties or do you want session fees? and they took session piece.
0: Hmm. Interesting. but they
2: changed their mind very quickly right now <laughs> is <laughs> <Not
0: bad. laughs> yes and um let's see when you um went on tour with uh, the Dakotas. Did you tour by yourself first or did you always tour at that time with the Dakotas?
2: I always toured with the Dakotas right from the beginning. Okay. You know, um, I did tours with people like uh, Tommy Roy at Big Hits in England, <laughs> Roy Orbison, the Everly Brothers, Gene Pitney. Um, my first tours were the Beatles. Um, I did a whole string of, we did weeks in every town and city in England. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So when, 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 entered, was, when was that? When was your first? I was in 63. Okay. 63,
2: 64.
0: Okay. I
2: also did the uh, six weeks one at Fensby Park mm-hmm. um that Christmas show, mm-hmm. uh, which is very monumental in my career, I felt. hmm
0: now, did you also go to Hamburg like a lot of the other Liverpool groups?
2: I went to Hamburg before I uh, started recording, yes. Oh, okay. That was my, that was my first um, professional gig. Oh, okay. And I, I remember arriving in Hamburg with the address written on a piece of paper. I was broke. <laughs> I got a, got a taxi. and just give the taxi driver the address. And luckily for me, I ran in the star club and the guys in the searches were there. Oh, man. They, they came out and paid the taxi for their phone. And then, funny enough, they were rehearsing the song Sweets Over Sweets at the time, which became their first record and the first number one hit.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, why, why did that happen? That is always an odd thing that uh, there is such a connection with Liverpool groups uh, and Hamburg. Why, why, why that? <laughs>
2: You know, I'll be honest with you, it was just it's something people did, a lot of the bands. I mean there was there was hundreds of bands from Liverpool, you know. Mm-hmm. And to me I always thought that bands went to Hamburg and they played such long hours mm-hmm. that they either got better and came back and made it, or in a lot of cases they came back and packed it up. <laughs>
0: you never hear about them you always hear about like the Beatles getting better and things like that
2: yeah well the Beatles were were very good <laughs> that's an understatement but, you know <laughs> um, excuse me that's okay I mean we used to play like sets from like four in the afternoon till six in the morning sometimes <laughs> an hour on hour off an hour on a couple of hours off but you know We went through a lot of songs. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, did you play with the Beatles at the Cavern or separately? Yes, I did. Oh, okay.
2: I played at the Cavern with the Beatles, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, they used to do, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, about the Beatles, like, before they had hit records, even, Mm -hmm. and before they got press, there would be kids camped out online outside the Cavern to get in and see them. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they used to have these all nights at the cavern, mm-hmm. which we used to play on, you know. But I, I played all the gigs with the Beatles, and one gig in particular was Across the Water. It was a place called the Majestic Ballroom in Birkenhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I played there as a residency on a Saturday night mm-hmm. at one point, and they used to come and play the early spots there. I also did um, the New Brighton Tower, uh, There was 40 English bands. The Beatles were obviously the top of the English bands. I played there with with them and Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm. I played there with with Little Richard. Mm. I played there with a guy called Joe Brown, who was very popular. Uh, uh, um, There was Jett Harris, who who was in Cliff Richard's band, uh, with um, a drummer, Tony Meehan. He he played there. open for him, you know. Hmm. So I took a lot.
0: <laughs> Seems like it. Um, did you have any, uh, any particular memories of working at the Cavern or any of the other clubs that stand out?
2: Well, you know, one of my favorite memories, funny enough, was rehearsing there and John and Paul going and sitting in the audience when there was no one there.
0: And this was at the cavern, or was at this... the cavern? Oh, okay.
2: They said it sounds great, and I was like thrilled. <laughs> you know,
0: what was the cavern like? I mean, it's like I see documentaries and everything, and of course, there's a new cavern in a different location. But was it really dank and musty and smelly and whatever? Yes, it was. <laughs>
2: it was. You know, I mean, it, it had a great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, I always tell people that. If you didn't see the Beatles at the cavern, you never saw the Beatles. Mm. That was before the suits, you know. As a matter of fact, when I was at work doing a day job, I used to catch the train into Liverpool in my lunch hour. And the Beatles used to do the lunch hour sessions there. Right. You know. (laughs) I was always late getting back to work, by the
0: way. (laughs) (laughs) What were you doing uh, as a job? In those I times?
2: was a, a trainee engineer for British Railway. Oh,
0: that's right. You mentioned that at the start of the show. So, you know,
2: yeah. people when you say engineer in America, they think that you were driving a train. I wasn't. I was taking locomotives to pieces and putting them back together again.
0: Hmm, okay. Actually, it I wasn't was very, even thinking about trains. I was thinking of like being like an engineer, like a for you know. Making no, I, I electronic was products them, or something like that.
2: <laughs> I was taking them to pieces and putting them back together again. Wow. <laughs> so, and I was supposed to go to Rolls Royce for a year, mm. which is when I turned professional, you know, and mm. decided. I, I'd done four years in engineering. I had two to go, but I, um, I took the chance.
0: It was a good chance. You had a few hits, <laughs> so.
2: Oh yeah, I mean I've had a wonderful life.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked about the other Beatles. Uh, do you have any particularly fond memories of Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, or George Harrison?
2: Well, you know, I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's it's it's. You know, the unbelievable thing is, in all the time I knew the Beatles and worked with them, you've got to understand something. I mean, like. For my 19th birthday, they give me a, an Elvis Presley album. Mm-hmm. I used to play in ball with them after gigs. It wasn't, you know, a lot of people, I wasn't in awe of them because I knew them before they made records, before I did. I'd <laughs> shared the same dressing room, the same theatre. They'd walk in and pick up my hairbrush, my <laughs> dorm, you know, and, you know, I never even, believe it or not, when I was on the road with them, mm-hmm. I never even asked for an autograph. <laughs> now, know? did
0: you ever bump into any of them in later years?
2: Oh, yes. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Paul got the freedom of the city in Liverpool, he invited me and I went, and I did get his autograph for my son. <laughs> oh you know? And, um... You know, over the years, I, I, I kept in touch on them. They always gave me invites for things. And when I was living on Long Island, the last time Paul played there, I went to see him, you know, and we sang, Do You Want to Know a Secret together and reminisced, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, were you as uh, friendly with some of the other Liverpool acts, like the Big Three and Jury and the Pacemakers and all the other ones?
2: i toured with jerry i did, did i did america with jerry i did england with jerry i did australia with jerry i did things with the big three i did things with the mersey beats king size taylor i i with the searchers oh a lot of people wow
0: and um <laughs> do you have any uh memories of uh when you first came to america here to tour and when was that? Like in '64, I assume.
2: <laughs> I firstly came to America, believe it or not. I came with Brian before the Beatles. Hmm. Um, I did a promotional tour, and it was when he was lining up the Sullivan show mm-hmm. before the Beatles were known. And um, I came then, and then, you know, I always say to people that it took something very special. To open up the gates of America, it was very difficult mm-hmm. for British artists. You know, Cliff Richard who has a a whole book of his hits, right? Oh, uh, hits in England and still sells out quicker than anybody. Mm-hmm. It was only in recent times that he's had hits with uh, "We Don't Talk Anymore" and "Devil Woman," right? You know, right. and to me, the Beatles. I always say this that. Um, the British band should realize that if it wasn't for the Beatles, they wouldn't go looking. That's my feeling. Yeah. You know, they opened the doors to America for all of us. You know, and I came over and I did Ed Sullivan a few times. Um, I was very lucky. I did the World's Fair in 1964. I did a week there. Mm -hmm. I toured America with Jerry Morrison, with... um, Paul Revere and the Razors, <laughs> and uh, Sonia and Cher, you know, hmm. um, and that's been it. <laughs> now, it, um, around
0: 1966, 67, it might be 66, you split with the, the Dakotas at that point. Uh, was there a reason for that? or? And was there any animosity or anything, or is it just an amicable split?
2: <laughs> um, you know, quite frankly, um, it's no use going back over over that, you know. But okay. um, it was me; I'd I started off in the business, and quite frankly, you know, I had other ideas about what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like. I was starting to do like stage shows where I had to learn lines and act a part. Mm-hmm. Um, I had different ideas of recording. I mean, even before I left to the causes, I'd made a record with the Bee Gees mm-hmm. called Town of the Tuxley Toymaker part one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was before the Bee Gees were known. Right. I don't think they were very happy about it, but it was <laughs> something that artistically at the time, I wanted to do yeah and then you know i recorded 1941 which was the harry nielsen song right before harry was known right because it was what i wanted to do mm-hmm. and you know um I, I just think you know it was time for us to move on
0: yeah no there's no problem I mean, you kept recording for years and you know, recorded like songs that you, you said that are you know became well known later, you know, it's like um, well, you know, I mean I've, I've got a whole catalogue
2: of I would say another twenty or thirty songs. I've never hit America.
0: Yeah. So but um let's see, what else can I ask you about? Um uh one thing I is kind of interesting in more recent times is that you did a song called Cow Planet. <laughs> for Sarah Boynton's Dog Train kind of compilation album and I actually have that and I remember that song. How did that come about?
2: <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I'd never heard of Sandra Boy, oh. and I came home one day and there was a letter from her mm-hmm. uh, saying what she did. She used to do books with CDs and she'd use famous people, you know. <laughs> she used B.B. King, uh, a lot of actors, she's Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people. And um, she said, I have this song I'd like you to do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I thought this this will be fun. Mm-hmm. And I met with her at Sony Studios in Manhattan. And I started investigated to find that she was one of the world's most well-known child authors. Mm-hmm. And I turned up and I had a lot of fun with her. I really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. um, and I did cow planners, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, she was great to work with, um, she treated me amazingly well, and um, not long afterwards she called me up and she said, you know, I noticed that when we did some, some audits in the song and you spoke, I liked the way you spoke,
0: <laughs>
2: I, I didn't think I spoke particularly well. <laughs> but she said, uh, I'm uh, changing some of my books into, you know, apps, and I'd like you to come and narrate them for me. Mm-hmm. So I um, went and I narrated six of her children's books. Oh, wow. One of them was called uh, The Going-to-Bed Book, mm-hmm. and we, we did it at um, Barnes & Noble in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. She had the book enlarged. The whole audience were in pajamas. <laughs> I walked on the stage uh, in pyjamas. Wow! <laughs> and, and I read the According to Bedloe, which was a was a gas, you know. And um, you know, I've kept in touch with her. I'm uh, hopefully going to see her in the very near future.
0: Very good. Um... You know. I think I got that book uh, partially because you're on it and I think Davy Jones of the Monkees was also on it, if I remember correctly. If Davy Jones.
2: Yeah. She used Davy Jones. Um, Meryl Streep she used oh, yeah. on some of the things. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of people, she wrote that um, song, the boring song. <laughs> <laughs> the boring song. I can't remember <laughs> the, the people who recorded that, you know. But... Um, she was great to work with i love her very much
0: okay now nowadays uh i guess you still tour around uh what what, uh, who do you tend to tour with and uh where do you tend to go i know there's a pandemic for the last few years but you know
2: (laughs) well i've just come back off a uh a cruise i did the power cruise Mm -hmm. um which i did a week on and there was people like um the, Buckingham. the Buckinghams, yeah, birds. Um, oh, yeah, the yardbirds Birds. Mm. the Pacemakers, Manfred Mann, mm. um, the Zombies, the zombies. Wow. All, all on the one. It was a week's cruise. That, that was fantastic. I, I did that for a week. And I'm, next I'm going to uh, do a show on Long Island, which I, I lived there for a long time at one time. Mm-hmm. i'm going to do the um, the theater there um it's called the um the, um the landmark theater port washington on mm-hmm. may 7th um which oh, is 15, with, my, with a with a great band mm-hmm. um called, called the choirs. Mm-hmm. and then my next big thing is i'm going to abbey road on the 19th of August Mm -hmm. to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Do You Want to Know a Secret? Very cool. And I'm going to be be also celebrating my 80th birthday.
0: Wow, happy birthday in advance.
2: (laughs) And I'm going to be recording on the 20th, the 21st. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do some new music there. And then um, the next thing I want to do is I'm going to be going to Liverpool mm-hmm. in August. I'm going to be doing something at the museum on the 25th. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing the Brian Epstein Theatre on the 26th. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing that with a, a young band called the, uh, Duke Box Beatles mm-hmm. and some other people. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Sounds good. Um... One last thing. I know you uh wrote an autobiography or with Alan Shipton a few years ago called Do You Want to Know a Secret? Can yeah. you tell me can you tell us a little bit about it and if you have it hold it up.
2: <laughs> uh, Do you have it?
0: <laughs> I've seen it. I think I don't think I have it, but I know about it. Yes. Well, I, if you send I, me I need, address,
2: I'll send you a call, I need to
0: get one. <laughs> but yeah. Tell me tell me a little bit about the book and how anybody else can get one.
2: <laughs> uh, they can go to Billy J. Kramer music.com
0: okay and uh, it's basically covering your entire life and everything it's, it's right it's from you
2: know I'll be honest with you um, I hadn't kept a lot of notes uh, I was um, in California Sylvester Stallone's will have said to me you know have you thought of writing your autobiography <laughs> and I said well I have but I don't know who to do it with and um, he put me onto Alan Shipton I noticed that Alan Shipton had done the book on Harry Nielsen and a lot of jazz people and uh, won awards and things and, and I, quite frankly I emailed him I didn't know whether he'd be interested or not but um, he got back to me he visited me in America we spent a lot of time together um, we did that several times and then when I was on tour in England um, I was always there for 50 days and we spent a lot of time during that tour, we spoke a lot and got it together.
0: Very good, and that was it. That's really good. I'll have to. Uh, well, that's why I always like people to promote their uh, what they have. At the end, do you have any new well, music you know, I coming? I any, any new music to promote or anything besides what you said you're going to be recording and everything like that?
2: Well, you know, I have a great CD out. I said to myself, "Call I won the fight." <laughs> which um, were songs songs I wrote. Um, I dedicated a song to Brian Epstein because I thought he'd been cold-shorted by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I did it at all the Beatle festivals and things because it, it was very retro and mentioned why is Brian Epstein in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And a year later, Brian got in the Hall of Fame.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> so... So... Um, I'm also, I've been recording with Tom Hambridge, who produces Buddy Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some stuff with him in Nashville, which I intend to bring out. Um, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. And I've also done some, a lot of work with a, a band called The Newbies. They backed me on the cruise very well. Mm-hmm. Great band. Um, I'm hoping to do some things with them at Abbey Road. You know,
0: Wow. At your age, you have a very full schedule. It's very great. (laughs)
2: Well, you know, um, I try to keep it that way. I'm very fortunate that I'm in good health. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate that I still love what I do. Mm -hmm. I still have a passion to do it. And while I still have that passion, I'm going to.
0: All right. Well, very good. Do you ever have any uh, opportunity to make it out to the West Coast, Oregon or California or anything
2: like that? Well, I was 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 out to the West Coast. I spent some time in San Diego. Okay. I also did the, the Grammy Museum three or four times while I was out there, mm-hmm. which was very nice.
0: Okay. All right. Well, um, if you do make it out here in the next year or two or so, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll definitely try to make a point to come out and see you, see your that, own performance. That,
2: <laughs> that would be really great. I really look forward to it next week really nice speaking to you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope people like what I've had to say. You know.
0: Well, I want to thank uh, you. I really. hope they come
2: and see me on March, on May 7th.
0: Okay. Uh, oh. In <laughs> Washington. Sergeant? We will definitely put upload this uh, before that, so you know people can hear about it in time and, and come and see you.
2: That would be really great. Well, thank you very much.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank you, Billy Jake Kramer, for being my special guest. And uh, we will have another sh- great guest next time on a new episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Billy Jake Kramer, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 211 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew, the slow poisoner, Goldfarb, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Rise up and take over. in a darkest hour.